Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect Workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for your questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would now like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Senior Director of Education and Training, Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Dee Tamara. And I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect Education Workshop, CAR T Cell Therapy, What's New? And today's program I know is one that many of you um, are really eager to hear more about. And so um, we will be starting very soon with our speakers. Um, I do want to say that today's program is uh, supported by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Novartis Oncology, and I really want to thank them for their support of the program today. Now, we have over 257 participants on the program today, and you come from all over the United States, from both urban, rural, uh, frontier, and suburban communities. And um, we're really delighted to have all of you on the call today. And we also have a number of people um, on the call internationally from uh, um, Austria, Canada, Denmark, Egypt, India, Malaysia, Poland, United Kingdom. So it's a bit of, it is a global call as well. So again, we're delighted to have all of you um, with us today. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Kohn von Bison. And Dr. Van Bison is Director of the Stem Cell Transplant Program, Weill Cornell Medicine, Professor of Medicine, Weill Cornell Med Medical College, Attending Physician at the New York Presbyterian Hospital. And Dr. Van Bison will be addressing overview of CAR T cell therapies in the context of COVID-19 its variants, understanding CARs or chimeric antigen receptors, when to consider CAR T cell therapies as a treatment option, specific examples of how CAR T-cell therapies contribute to oncology care, the benefits of CAR T-cell therapies, and the increasing role of telehealth, telemedicine appointments to communicate with your healthcare team. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Von Bison. Thank you, Dr. Messner, and uh, thank you to the listeners. Uh, it's an honor to speak to all of you. Uh, this is a complicated topic, and uh, I take care of patients uh, who need CAR T-cell therapy. And I'm going to just imagine um, that all of you are new patients uh, sitting in my office, and you have been referred by your physician, usually by your oncologist, uh, that you need uh, CAR T-cell therapy. And uh, you come with many, many questions. Uh, most of these patients have lymphoma or leukemia. So let's just imagine that, that you're a middle-aged person, you, you have lived uh, a healthy life, have never had any problems, and about a year ago uh, you were diagnosed with, with uh, AB cell lymphoma and you have received CHOP chemotherapy or R-CHOP chemotherapy and then perhaps a second round and unfortunately you're still dealing with uh, the lymphoma. It's not controlled. Your doctor has told you you should go to New York. Um, perhaps you live 100 miles away, um, and but you need to go there to one of the large centers and they can offer you this new treatment. Uh, so what is this treatment now, this CAR T-cell treatment? What, what does it really consist of? Um, when we think about cancer treatment, there traditionally have been three three big components. There's the surgeons. Uh, surgery can remove early cancer and can often prevent cancer from becoming widespread. But when cancer is widespread, it's not amenable to surgery usually anymore. Then we have radiation. And then we have chemotherapy, and sometimes in combination. Chemotherapy goes in the veins and destroys the cancer cells uh, everywhere, if effective. The last 20 years, we have developed new treatments. We don't like to call them chemotherapy anymore. We talk about targeted treatments that recognize many uh, cancer characteristics. So our treatments have become 
more and more geared towards identifying the cancer cell and avoiding toxicity to the normal cell. But we have a long way to go, as we all know. And now, in the last three, four years, we have had access to CAR T cells, and it's really a paradigm shift. It's something entirely new. Not exactly, because there's been 20 or 30 years of research in this field, but success has come in the last three or four years. And, and I cannot emphasize that enough, because I'll come back to uh, we should all participate in clinical trials when we can, because sometimes it takes decades for those to be successful, but we really contribute to knowledge by doing this. Now, what is it really? With a CAR T cell, we use our own immune system to fight the cancer. We uh, kind of reorganize or redirect our immune system. So what is our immune system? They are the policemen of our body. That's uh, not perhaps a somewhat simplistic uh, explanation, but not entirely so. Our immune system is a system that of cells, mostly in the lymph nodes, but also in the bone marrow and actually in every organ of our body that protect us from invading organisms. They protect us from uh, infections, from measles, from, let's say, COVID came up, any infection. What does our immune system do? It, uh, a new bug comes in, it recognizes it, it uh, becomes more and more, it refines itself, and then the cells of the immune system start growing and over time attack and destroy the invader. Now, the immune system also recognizes cancer cells. That is all long been known that the immune system is effective to a certain degree in uh, preventing and, and reducing cancer. But clearly, when one has cancer, be it lymphoma, be it leukemia, any other cancer, our immune system has failed. It has failed to protect us, and we have to rely on chemotherapy. Well, researchers have found a way of taking our own immune system, and particularly the T cells of our immune system, and redirect them to recognize the cancer with great specificity to really accurately recognize the cancer. Now, what are T cells? The immune system is complicated. As I told you before, it's like the army it has generals, it has artillery, it has infantry, whatever. But it has the, the two big components of the immune system has, are the B cells and the T cells. It's a bit confusing because, ironically, the first cancer that has become uh, targeted by CAR T cells is a cancer of the immune system. It's a lymphoma or a B cell leukemia. B cell lymphomas and B cell leukemias are the types of cancer that now, uh, in 2022, are very effectively treated with CAR T cells. So the patient has a B cell lymphoma. We remove the T cells, we collect the T cells, and where do we get them from? We get them from the bloodstream. We essentially remove blood, pass it through a centrifuge, remove the circulating T cells, and return the blood to the patient, a very easy and safe procedure. Then we send these cells to a company that uh, introduces into these cells a new uh, receptor, and that receptor is a, a molecule that recognizes certain very specific characteristics of the cancer. The most common one right now in 2022 is CD19. CD19 is expressed on practically all B cell lymphomas and on B cell leukemia. So now, after about a two-week period, two to three-week period of lab work, we have a T cell collected from the patient, and this T cell now is modified. It's a, it has a chimeric antigen receptor, a chimeric antigen receptor T cell, so therefore a CAR T cell, and it now recognizes the lymphoma. What we then do, we bring the patient in the hospital, we give them three days typically of rather mild chemotherapy, 
and then we in, inject those T cells, their own T cells, but they are modified. We inject them into the patient's bloodstream. These T cells recognize the lymphoma. They find the lymphoma wherever it is in the body. They, as they recognize, they do what an immune system does. They start multiplying. They start growing. The immune system grows when it recognizes its target. They grow and they eradicate. They start attacking the lymphoma, the B cell lymphoma, they destroy it completely, and after all the, t uh, the B cell lymphoma is gone, they go to rest again. They practically disappear. And if all goes well, the patient is cured. And that has turned out to be an extremely, extremely effective treatment for patients with refractory lymphoma. It's not devoid of side effects. Um, uh, I'll let Dr. Jacobson will explain that much more and much better than I can, so I'll skip that. But that's really the principle. We take our own immune system. We are re-educating it, redirecting it to recognize the cancer. We no longer really rely on the chemotherapy. There's a bit of chemotherapy involved, but it's relatively minimal. We rely on these own T cells to destroy the lymphoma. And it's turned out to be quite effective. Now, where can we use it? As, as I already said, right now, the CAR T cell products that are on the market are uh, directed against lymphoma, B-cell leukemia, and very recently also against myeloma. Uh, why is that? Those have been the first diseases that have been targeted by this, and it's turned out to be great successes. So there are now, um, to, my, to my count, uh, four products for uh, lymphoma. Uh, from three different companies. They address a B-cell lymphoma called mantle cell lymphoma, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, and follicular lymphoma. There's also two products recognized or FDA-approved for uh, childhood leukemia and adult leukemia, but again, B-cell leukemia. And all these products recognize the target CD19 on these cells that all these types of lymphomas have and leukemias have in common. For multiple myeloma, one product approved less than a month ago, another product approved about half a year ago, but not widely available yet. Uh, there's, the production is still gearing up, and uh, those are directed against a molecule called BCMA, and they are also very, very effective. Who should get these products? Right now, um, the FDA indications are quite strict. These products are used typically as third-line therapy, be it in the slight differences between the different disorders, but we don't use this right now for a newly, patient with newly diagnosed lymphoma, myeloma, or B-cell leukemia. We only treat patients, we are only uh, allowed to treat patients with multiply relapsed lymphoma or multiply relapsed leukemia. Why is that? Because the data are new. The FDA uh, is cautious in approving new procedures, wants to make sure that there's no, no un, unknown side effects that will emerge and that we stick to the indications. It's also actually a quite expensive procedure, but uh, I'll leave that for another day. Um, so we don't treat early cases of lymphoma. We don't treat early cases of myeloma. That may change because one thing that is uh, going on, there's an enormous uh, amount of research ongoing in this field, uh, going from uh, targeting new antigens, generating more powerful CAR T cells, uh, finding new indications, uh, using donor CAR T cells. So right now we collect the cells, the T cells from the patient, him or herself, and sometimes that's a problem because the patients can be ill. In the future, not right now yet, but in clinical trials, we sometimes use CAR T cells from, uh, generated from the cells of healthy, normal individuals. Uh, there's even CAR T cells that have been generated from uh, embryonic or um, uh, induced pluripotent stem cells, which are, are really uh, very primitive cells. Um, we have new targets. B-cell lymphomas have CD19, but they also have CD20.
CD22. If CD19 CAR T cell doesn't work, perhaps CD20 or CD22 CAR T cell will work, or a combination. We look at other diseases. Uh, uh, trials are ongoing in other uh, hematologic malignancies, including acute myelogenous leukemia in T cell lymphoma and so forth. And actually, a lot of work is being done to expand this field to solid tumors, but it's early days. Uh, this has been tried in, in breast cancer. This has been tried in uh, gliomas, brain cancers. Uh, we have a trial here for aggressive thyroid cancer, but a lot more work needs to be done before this really will become reality. Uh, uh, as time moves, I'm convinced that uh, this this will this will become reality for many patients. That's it. Right now, it's for lymphoma, B cell lymphoma, B cell leukemia, and myeloma. Should get this. The patients who have relapsed, usually multiply relapsed, uh, large cell lymphoma, follicular lymphoma, mental cell lymphoma, myeloma, or B cell leukemia. For many of them, this is by far the best treatment. Uh, by far. Uh, what does it involve and what are the limitations? It's overall quite safe. And over the last three, four years, most large centers have developed expertise with this and, um, and, and know how to handle these patients and avoid the problems and avoid serious problems. That's it. Perhaps the biggest drawback right now for patients, particularly in rural areas, is that it requires referral to a local center, to a large center, usually in the big cities, and and in the U.S. that can be a big problem. If you live out 150 miles from a large center, you probably will have to stay in the big city for for a month, a month and a half sometimes, and and in many centers this still requires admission. I think that will improve over time, but uh, right now that's the reality. Um, that's about a summary, really, of what I wanted to tell. The last question that I was asked to address was COVID and telehealth. Um, I do think telehealth has really made the inroads, uh, particularly for seeing the patients, sharing the care with their local oncologist, and this has particularly been true in the area of COVID. And then last COVID, hopefully, hopefully on its way out, we won't have to hopefully deal with it too much anymore. Uh, we have found ways around it. We we have found ways to treat our patients throughout this epidemic, and uh, but it requires special caution. With that, thank you for listening to me, and I look forward to hearing Dr. Jacobson. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Fondison. That was really outstanding. Just a wonderful way to start the program. Um, really gave people so much information, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q and A. Thank you so very much. Um, and our next speaker is Dr. Um, Karen Elise Jacobson, and Dr. Jacobson is a medical director, immune effector cell therapy program physician, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, assistant professor of medicine, Harvard Medical School. And Dr. Jacobson will be addressing um, discussion of CAR T cell therapies, management of treatment side effects, update on clinical trials for CAR T cell therapies, how research contributes to your treatment options, key questions to ask your healthcare team about CAR T cell therapies and quality of life concerns, and guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, follow-up care, and discussion of open notes. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Jacobson. Well, thank you very much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, it is also an honor for me to get to speak with you today. I think Dr. Van Beesen just did a wonderful job outlining sort of the um, science behind CAR T-cells and, and why they work and how they work and also uh, the currently approved indications. Um, I, I just wanted to um, familiarize the audience with some of the uh, tra the um, trade names for some of these CAR T-cells that are approved so that they can be recognized if you hear about them. So as Dr. Van Beesen said, there, there actually are now six approved uh, CAR T-cell therapies for either um, B-cell acute leukemia uh, a different uh, variety of B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphomas, as well as uh, multiple myeloma. They include uh, um, products that we call uh, Kimraya, Yescarda, uh, Tacardis, 
Brianzi, um, and um, I'm, I'm actually not a myeloma specialist, so I can only think of the generic names for the myeloma products, which are Idacaptogene, Veclusil, and uh, Siltacaptogene, Autolusil. And now you can see why, why the trade names are so much easier uh, to, uh, to, to speak. Um, uh, but uh, I won't spend much more time talking about CAR T cells, because I think Dr. Van Biesen, or sort of the biology or, or the available CAR T cells, because I think Dr. Van Biesen did a great job. Um, I do want to sort of echo his uh, sentiment that these have really revolutionized the care of patients with these blood cancers who uh, have not responded to or stopped responding to available traditional chemotherapy. Um, these, uh, you know, the, the, these give hope uh, to patients who uh, previously really uh, would only have gone on to clinical trials um, and could be curative in some of these uh, diseases. Uh, and uh, we've seen really transformative responses uh, for a number of our patients, which has been really a privilege to be part of. Um, as with every effective uh, cancer therapy, there are always some drawbacks, and Dr. Van Biesen touched upon this when he spoke, but there are some unique side effects to these CAR T-cell therapies. They are not the same side effects that we expect uh, with um, chemotherapy or some of the other cancer therapies uh, that you may be familiar with. Um, because of the way these CAR T-cells work, when they get reinfused back into the patient and they start to encounter the tumor, um, they get activated and they re release uh, these substances called cytokines into the bloodstream, which are in, which cause inflammation. And uh, these, uh, it's the same response that your immune system has when you're in, when you're infected with the flu virus, and, and and when you have symptoms like fever and body aches and fatigue, those are generally your immune response to the flu virus that you're experiencing. The problem with CAR T cells is that it, you can get that level of inflammation, but sometimes the level of inflammation can escalate even beyond that to the point that a patient can have um, leaky blood vessels, which can cause their blood pressure to drop or fluid to leak into the lungs and cause shortness of breath or difficulty breathing. Um, and sometimes patients may even need to go to an intensive care unit during this time. Um, this is a syndrome that we call cytokine release syndrome, um, and it, it is not infrequent, but thankfully it is uh, when it happens, thankfully when it does happen, it mostly is with those fevers and flu-like symptoms, and rarely does it escalate to the point of uh, needing intensive care unit care. Um, it usually happens within the first several days after the CAR T-cell infusion, and so sometimes patients are treated with these CAR T-cells in the hospital so they can be observed for this. Uh, and sometimes patients are treated as an outpatient and only admitted to the hospital if uh, they experience uh, one of these symptoms. It usually lasts for three to five days, uh, kind of uh, matching car peak CAR T cell activation in the body after infusion, and then we'll, and then will die down. And if it starts to get more dramatic or starts to cause, uh, you know, a, a uh, any sort of um, more significant uh, symptoms or um, uh, changes to vital signs or things like that, we do have ways to intervene. We have drugs that we can give that sort of dampen down that inflammatory response um, and, and, uh, can, and, and can lead to sort of a resolution of these symptoms without actually uh, decreasing the efficacy of the CAR T cells. And so that's definitely something we've become better with over time, and these have definitely become safer uh, therapies to use because we're we're less uh, um, we're more liberal and less conservative with giving some of those in, those anti-inflammatory therapies. There is a second major side effect we see with these CAR T cells, uh, and that is uh, something that we refer to as neurologic toxicity. And this doesn't happen for all uh, to all patients, um, and it happens with some products and some CAR T cell therapies uh, more commonly than with others. It usually happens towards the tail end of that cytokine release syndrome that I just described, um, and or even after resolution of the cytokine release syndrome. Um, and it can present with sort of mild confusion and sort of disorientation uh, to things that are much more significant, um, uh, including and in sort of difficulty speaking um, and even sometimes uh, becoming very, very sleepy. Um, again, uh, we... Um, 
thankfully, most patients who experience this experience it to a mild extent, and it lasts for a couple of days, but there are occasions where patients can have more significant experiences with this side effect, uh, and it can go on for uh, days to weeks. Uh, thankfully, almost every, you know, nearly everybody, almost 100% of patients will fully recover from this and, and, and are not left with any permanent um, cognitive or neurologic side effects, um, but, but it can sometimes take some time for some patients. We treat this with steroids because we, we don't know a lot about the about about what causes it, but we do know it involves some degree of inflammation within the brain, and, and corticosteroids are a great treatment for that inflammation. Um, and as I said, you know, mo the the this is not a permanent syndrome. This is something that's temporary, and patients will recover. And then patients, uh, when when they recover, if they experience these side effects and they recover, they either can leave the hospital, um, or if they're in the outpatient setting, they can have a little bit less frequent follow-up. Um, and there are very few long-term side effects of CAR T-cell therapies. We do worry um, uh, about um, with CAR T-cells that are targeting um, B-cell lymphomas, we worry, and B-cell leukemias, that they can also target some of those healthy B-cells of the immune system that Dr. Van Biesen introduced uh, earlier on. Um, and that can lead to some degree of immune suppression. And so we do monitor patients for that. Um, we also know that, uh, he also mentioned that you get some just sort of gentle chemotherapy before you get your CAR T-cells. It's really not meant to treat the underlying cancer, but meant to make you a better host for those CAR T-cells uh, to expand and become activated once they get reinfused. And that chemotherapy can lead to some immune suppression. And some patients can have their blood counts go down um, after CAR T-cells, and that can persist for weeks to months uh, on some occasions. And so all of that you know, makes us be pretty vigilant about monitoring patients after CAR T-cells for risk of infection. And as uh, Dr. Van Buzen said, you know, this is a particularly acute um, need uh, in the era of this COVID pandemic because we do worry about our CAR T-cell patients uh, follow, you know, uh, and, and their risk of, of uh, getting severe COVID, and also that uh, sometimes the vaccines may not initially work as well in a patient who's close to their CAR T-cell therapy uh, than it will uh, later on. Um, so as Dr. Van Biesen also alluded to, there are a number of clinical trials now trying to make the next generation of CAR T-cells for blood cancers, ones that can work even better and actually cure even more patients. Um, and so these are all based on things that we've learned about why some patients respond and some patients don't respond to these therapies. They include CAR T-cells that target more than one tumor antigen, uh, so more than one protein on the surface of the tumor cell, so that decreases the risk that the, the tumor will lose the target and therefore evade the CAR T-cells. Uh, there are CAR T-cells that are being armored with some inflammatory, to secrete inflammatory cytokines to improve their activity when they get to the tumor cells. Um, there are, and as he mentioned, one of the these CAR T cells are logistically very challenging because we have to get them from the, we have to uh, collect the T cells from the cancer patient. It takes, you know, three, sometimes five weeks to manufacture these CAR T cells in the laboratory. And sometimes they come back and it's too late because the cancer has progressed uh, for a patient uh, to a point that they're no longer healthy enough to receive the CAR T cells. Um, and so those those CAR T cells that are being investigated in clinical trials where they're being derived from healthy donors are really um, provocative because they would allow these CAR T cells to be available on demand. Um, and they also would, would mean that the CAR T cells would be um, derived from someone who hasn't had a lymphoma or a leukemia and hasn't uh, received prior chemotherapy. So those T cells may be more uh, active. And so these are in clinical trials right now, and we're starting to see some very promising results uh, that may make um, these available uh, in the not too distant future. Um, this has been a tremendously successful endeavor in blood cancers, and there is a lot of investigation going on into other types of solid tumors. At Dana-Farber, we have clinical trials, nearly at least one or two clinical trials across the board in the variety of solid tumors, ranging from lung cancers to GI cancers to prostate cancer to breast cancer to ovarian cancer. And these are all exploring CAR T cells, and they're related uh, engineered cell therapies uh, 
for for patients. Um, and so I agree with Dr. Van Beesen that we are. Um, I'm very optimistic that that we will be able to uh, use these therapies for not just our blood cancers, but our, our more common solid tumors uh, in the in the future. Um, again, not not around the corner, um, but but in the future. Um, the the all of these clinical trials that were so important to the expansion of these CAR T cells uh, for patients um, with blood cancers who uh, maybe wouldn't respond to the existing CAR T cells, and then also to expand beyond blood cancers um, and into, like I said, the more common types of solid tumors. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's really important. I hope you understand now what CAR T cells are and how they work. Um, but if you're being referred to or being considered for CAR T cell therapy, um, you know, it, it's really, really important uh, to sort of, you know, come uh, armed with important questions uh, that can affect um, your decisions about pursuing these therapies um, and uh, sort of, and, and, and how to sort of maximize your experience and minimize uh, the um, the difficulty or the uh, logistical difficulties in, in, in getting to these therapies. Um, so of course, you, you know you definitely want to understand how they work. If you don't, if if today's call didn't didn't help or only helped a little bit, you want to expand that understanding. Um, you want to understand how these CAR T cells are both going to help you um, in terms of the likelihood that they're going to cause your cancer to go into remission, um, uh, and then how long that remission may last for, but also how they may impact you in terms of your overall health vis-a-vis uh, -vis side effects. Um, and I think one thing that's really um, interesting. I think Dr. Van Beesen brought up that there have been some clinical trials looking at moving CAR T cells up into earlier lines of therapy before patients have had multiple lines of chemotherapy. And many of those trials are, are randomized, where some patients get chemotherapy and some patients get CAR T cell therapy. And most of those trials uh, included um, uh, an assessment of quality of life for the two different uh, groups of patients being treated. And the early results would suggest that, that, that early on during the intensive treatment period, the quality of life measures for patients receiving CAR T cell therapy was superior to patients who were receiving standard chemotherapy-based uh, regimens. But I do think it's important to understand how that's true for sort of a general population, but as Dr. Van Beesen alluded to, if you live far away from a center, um, you know, you and a family member may need to relocate for one to two months at a time uh, to a new city um, and be far away from home. Uh, there are some unique uh, challenges to CAR T cells that may impact you individually differently than they impact somebody else. And so it's important to understand what those logistics are. Uh, because of the COVID pandemic, we're using telehealth more and more, um, and I think a telehealth visit, when appropriate uh, or when available, can be a really good introduction to consideration for uh, CAR T cells for patients who live far away from the treating centers, where you can meet with a practitioner at a treating center and learn more about CAR T cells and then decide uh, whether you want to come in and be, you know, go through a consenting process and a screening process for these therapies. Um, uh, I think it's in, um, it's so uh, to that end, when you go to those telehealth visits, it's really important, like I said, to come with a, a list of questions related to how these therapies work, how they will benefit you, what are the side effects, and what are the logistical uh, challenges for you to, to uh, receive this care. Um, but I, I think overall, um, you know, the, the, the states with which we're using these today and, and um, have, you know, are, are, we're seeing really remarkable benefit to patients um, where, um, and, and we're seeing cures, which, which uh, has been, uh, you know, which, which, which has been just a real, like I said before, a real privilege to be part of um, because, you know, many, a lot of clinical research uh, in oncology has been incredible. Mental, and, and this has really been just a revolution. Um, and so I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. I'm honored to be talking with you today about it. And I look forward to hearing your follow-up questions uh, and being able to answer them. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Jacobson. That was really wonderful, just a wonderful presentation. And I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and um, I'm just going to say a few words about cancer care services. Um, just briefly, um, so um, Cancer Care is a national organization, nonprofit, so all of our services are available 
um, to people in the United States um, at no cost. Um, and um, if people from other countries email us, our staff will will address your questions and try to connect you with resources in your own communities as well. So that's that's another thing that you should be aware of. Um, so what do our what do our services consist of? We do have. Um, a, a hope line that people can call. They often call um, our hope line and get to speak with one of our oncology social workers. We have 45 oncology social workers on staff, and they're here to provide a host of services. And one of the most important ones is support. So people call with a question, and then that leads to they're hearing about all of our services and taking advantage of the services that they require. So what are those services? We do offer, first of all, practical and financial and co-payment assistance. Um, and that assistance is restricted to people in the United States. If people in other countries have issues around that and email us, we will connect you to resources in your own countries and, and other organizations that might be able to be assistance to you. Um, but we do offer um, very specific um, help to people and practical help. We also have a case management unit, and what that means is that whatever your concern or question is, that staff will help you to resolve it and get that resource. Let's say it's around not having enough food or not having money to pay your rent. So what our staff will do is they will virtually take you. They won't just give you a list of places to call, but they will virtually take you together to a, a place, contact them together on the, on the, on the phone, online together, and actually um, connect to see if that resource, whether it be in your own hometown whether it be in your region or nationally, and get you the resources that you need, or all of the above, because you might be able to get resources from multiple places. Um, we also offer online support groups, which lots of people like. Um, those are not time-specific, and the online support groups are for people of all different, um, all, different, all, all different issues that they're dealing with. So it could be for young adults, middle-aged adults, older adults. It could be for people with specific types of cancers, um, uh, so blood cancers or particular types of blood cancers or particular types of solid tumors. Um, or it could be for people who are caregivers, um, who are partners, um, who are family members. So again, it or for people who are trying to help children affected by cancer in the family. So the groups, many, many different groups, and people really like them because they're not time-specific. Um, they are moderated by a professional oncology social worker, and so, but you can post any time of the day or night, and that's what people really like about the online support groups. Um, and um, we also offer these workshops. We also have something called coping circles, which are large groups of people who address particular types of issues around their coping, um, their wellness, um, and there are lots of different topics, and they're listed under community programs on our website. And we also have, of course, many publications that you can also access from our website. So that's just a thumbnail sketch of the services that we offer at Cancer Care. And um, at the end of this program, you will be getting a um, SurveyMonkey um, evaluation. And in that, we will be giving you all the different resources that we may mention, both now and also during the Q&A. And now we're going to move right on to the questions. Um, so I'm going to ask Dee Tamara to bring all of our speakers on board. And we're going to try to take as many of your questions as possible. And Dee Tamara will explain to you how to queue up for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking ask a question. We have a question from one of our um, online participants. Um, so, um, this is actually, um, I'll give this to Dr. Von Beeson to start. Um, what is being done to apply CAR T cell therapies to myelofibrosis? To, uh, myelofibrosis is a very difficult uh, disease right now. I, I think it's probably, probably several years off. Uh, there are uh, one prerequisite for CAR T cells is that we need to have rather uh, accurate, unique markers of a certain disease. Uh, 
for example, the CD19 or the BCMA in myeloma, the CD19 in lymphoma, is really only expressed on lymphoma cells. CD19 a bit on the normal immune system, but it, it seems not to be too dangerous to attack it. Myelofibrosis is a myeloid disorder, and many of the targets of leukemia myelofibrosis are also expressed on normal blood-producing cells. So it's turned out to be tricky to, to find a CAR T cell that, uh, that attacks the cells causing myelofibrosis and leaving the normal blood-producing cells alone. Tricky, but not impossible. We are starting to see very early results of a number of approaches to, to make this more realistic and too complicated to go into it. Uh, but I, I do expect that we will see advances there in the next uh, four or five years, but not, not immediately. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Van Beesten. Thank you. And a question um, for Dr. Jacobson. Can steroids have negative effect? Can they cause tumors to grow? Thank you. And that's an excellent question. Uh, and it's certainly early on when we started doing using these CAR T cells on clinical trials, we were quite concerned that steroids would decrease the activity of these CAR T cells, that this inflammation was needed in order to get a treatment response. Um, but we've uh, learned over the years that uh, that giving steroids uh, or other inflammatory or anti-inflammatory therapies to treat these side effects has not had a negative impact on the outcomes for patients. And patients still have the same excellent outcomes, even if we treat these side effects uh, more liberally. Um, the only effect is that we seem to have lower rates of the more intensive side effects. So that's been really encouraging. Uh, and even still to that point, there have been some studies that have looked at giving steroids preventatively, even in, in lower doses early on in the course to see if, they can if we can prevent some of these toxicities later on. And in small numbers of patients, it does look like it's effective and it actually spares the patient's uh, higher doses and longer courses of steroids later on because they have fewer toxicities to treat. So it's an excellent question and one that we were certainly worried about early on, but it, it, thankfully it hasn't been shown to be the case. Excellent. Thank you. And for Dr. Van Beesten, um, do you expect criteria for CAR T cell therapy to loosen up? Is there an estimate for when CAR T cell therapy could or would be available for CLL and WM patients, Walden Jones patients. So we, I, I anticipate that we will soon be able to use it earlier in the course of diffuse large B cell lymphoma. There, there were two large trials presented at the last ASH meeting that showed uh, clearly that for first relapse of large B cell lymphoma, we will, it has an advantage and, and all of us expect approval soon for that indication. CLL has turned out to be a complex, uh, a complex disorder and uh, actually the, the very first uh, positive results for CAR T cell therapy were in CLL and recently there was a publication from the University of Pennsylvania group where I believe they now have somebody who has been in remission for more than a decade after CAR T cell therapy. But uh, the response rates have been lower than with large cell lymphoma. There is a trial that is very close to completion uh, for which we all expect hope for excellent uh, results. And if these results are really as good as we, we participated in the trial, but we as participants in the trial, we don't have a good idea of the, the overall outcomes, but we all hope that the outcomes will be excellent. If that is so, uh, then we could within a year or two have a, uh, or even within a year, have an approved CAR T cell for CLL. Uh, just to add to that, there's a number of trials on which uh, novel CAR T cells on which CLL patients can, in which CLL patients can. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And um, for Dr. Jacobson, are healthy donor cells preferable to using the patient's own T cells? So another excellent question. And you know, there are some there are some clear 
advantages to using healthy donor cells, both because the CAR T cells will already have been manufactured and so they're available to the patient when they need it and not uh, three weeks in the future, um, but also that the, the, as I mentioned before, that the healthy donor um, uh, hasn't had a cancer or seen immunosuppressive therapies and so their T cells may actually be sort of more active in the end. The problem is um, that the healthy, that the, the patient um, uh, can, the patient's own immune system can actually reject the, the healthy donor T cells before they can have a chance to, to be active against the lymphoma or the, or the cancer. Um, and so in the, early, in the early studies, uh, the T cells didn't seem to expand sufficiently or to have a, um, or, or stay around long enough to have an anti-cancer effect. Uh, now, the the more recent uh, results from some of these studies are um, are reflect uh, strategies to address that. So patients uh, get more immune suppressive therapy before they get these healthy donor T cells, um, so that the so that the 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 patient's own immune system won't reject those donor T cells before they have a chance to be active. And the early results from those studies do look promising. Uh, what we don't know yet, though, is what the impact of that increased immune suppression early on and how that may impact sort of risk of infection and things like that later on. Um, so I think there are some advantages, but there are also some unique hurdles that are posed by these uh, healthy donor T cells. And the, on there are, the studies that are ongoing are trying to address those hurdles in real time, which is, uh, you know, a, a really um, rapid uh, observation. And then response to that observation. Excellent. Thank you. These are really terrific questions, I must say. Um, um, and then for um, a question um, for, uh, for Dr. Van Beesen, um, are there any risk factors for side effects of CAR T-cell therapy? Actually, surprisingly few. Uh, so one one is nature barrier. Uh, so we, we can many times treat patients in their late 70s, early 80s, if they are in excellent condition, uh, which was not the case with some of the older therapies, uh, like autologous or allogeneic stem cell transplantation. Uh, there are some things that are emerging, uh, such as uh, patients, um, uh, patients with large bulk disease tend to have more fever, tend to have more uh, cytokine release syndrome, as Dr. Jacobson, uh, Jacobson explained. So we, we prefer to see the patients when they, their disease is not completely out of control. But these are not absolute contraindications. Lastly, we are learning, right? Uh, Many of the early studies that were done excluded patients with comorbidities. And uh, comorbidities meaning patients who have other diseases. Many of us uh, people in their 80s, 60s and 70s have some heart disease. They may have some neurologic problem. They may have diabetes. They may have all kinds of issues. Can we treat these patients and, uh, with CAR T cells? And will they have more problems? I would say on, on average, uh, the outcomes have been encouraging, and uh, patients have done quite well. Excellent. That's really good. That's very good to hear. That's excellent. Thank you. Um, so for Dr. Jacobson, um, so what about using cells of healthy relatives, siblings, children, etc.? Similar to a question that was just asked, but. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, uh, so I think maybe that was in response to the patient's immune system kind of rejecting these uh, healthy donor uh, cells. And maybe if, if we think about these cells having come from a patient or a relative, um, maybe, maybe there would be less of that rejection. The, the healthy donors are screened um, quite rigorously um, in order to uh, identify them as, as potential healthy donors. Of course, we want to pick people who have really no underlying uh, predisposition for or um, risk of, uh, you know, disease, uh, especially um, 
uh, cancer risk or other um, uh, immunologic risks. And so um, I think, it, you know, okay. these are not these are not donors that are sort of picked at random, but they're they're heavily screened in terms of their risk of previous infections or infections they may carry and, and cancer risks and, and, and things of the sort. Um, and actually, from each healthy donor, you uh, you can collect cells to make products for up to 100 different patients. Um, and so it, it, it's not as flexible as being able to just uh, find your own donor uh, uh, and use them uh, for these products. I also think that, um, you know, the, 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 Siblings or relatives may still be sufficiently different from the patient that that, that it may not overcome this risk. Um, there are some trials, though, looking at alternative immune cell sources. There's another type of immune cell in, uh, in the body called an NK cell, which uh, has, has some in, some ha has some natural cancer uh, cell killing abilities. And these can be armed with this chimeric antigen receptor as well. And for some of those studies, um, uh, they do actually use uh, healthy living donor, uh, living donors as relatives uh, to collect the NK cells and uh, to generate those cars. So that that is a it's a it's a very it's a very insightful question and a, um, and actually is being done in some instances, but it's it's not the approach being taken right now for these donor CAR T cells that we're talking about. Excellent. Well, I actually want to thank our speakers and all of our participants. This has been a phenomenal call, lots of questions, I must say, and really great questions. And really, um, between our speakers and our participants, this has been, although we've done this program before, I don't think we've ever had so many questions before. It's been just a phenomenal call with all the questions and just really great questions being asked. So I, I have to say, um, I just want to thank you all for um, just doing such a, a fantastic job. Now, I do want to um, get back to um, the issue of what about all of you who may have had um, questions that you, um, that you didn't get to ask and want to, want to ask. And um, so, um, so I do want to address that. So for those of you who either asked a question or have a question yet to ask, um, I want to make some suggestions to you um, or have a question that you're thinking of right now. Um, so what's most important is I want to be sure that you all um, realize that there's a lot of, um, of, of help that you can receive and with the questions that you have. Most importantly, we want you to take your questions back to your treating healthcare team because they actually know the most about you. And they, they actually are most able to address any questions or concerns you might have. Um, so that's really critically important that you would want to take your questions back to your healthcare team, particularly since you've already asked your questions now and you feel a sense of that your questions are terrific questions and that um, our speakers on today's program, of course, addressed your questions, but we want to be sure that you all um, also feel comfortable addressing your questions. So very important that you take your questions um, back to your treating healthcare team. That's very important. Um, they, of course, know the most about you and, um, and take what you've learned today. We hope that your questions will be more informed um, and that you'll be able to actually ask your questions of your healthcare team. That's very, very important. And then, um, and then the other thing is, of course, you can contact Cancer Care. We're also going to send you a list of all the different um, organizations out there um, uh, that might be able to also help you with your questions. But, you know, still most importantly, your healthcare team, it consists of many different people. It consists of your physicians. It consists of the oncology nurses, oncology social workers, patient navigators, um, the financial navigators, um, just a whole, just navigators in general. A lot of people in your centers or your go for help that can assist you with your, um, with your questions. So, and most importantly, as we conclude the program today, I would not want any one of you to feel you're alone in coping with, uh, with, with the blood cancer, with CAR T cell therapy. I want you to now know that you're part of a community of support. And in, a, in addition to cancer care and your healthcare team, we're all here to help you. And we also want to be very sure that you all gather some information that's very important. Um, from your healthcare team. And that is that you really need to know how to contact them evenings, weekends, holidays, 
um, be sure you know exactly who you can contact um, on non-business hours in your, in your location. That's very important because often that's when things kind of happen or you suddenly have a question that you need to have someone answer. So that's really important. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.